how does he do it? In what world does being an openly cocky, arrogant, self-righteous, know-it-all, I'm better than you, y'all are just here to watch me win over-the-top personality, get damn near the entire house on your side? Only Wes. Only Weston Bergman knows. Plus, the players get down and dirty, alliances bloom in full, a legend is defeated, and two cast members having to leave threatens to derail not just the game, but the show entirely. It's the All-Stars 3 Episode 3 Recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the ever-expanding challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollaball. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today. I said MTV's The Challenge again. I've got to really get used to saying just The Challenge, which is now... As of all of their social media handles changing a few weeks ago, it's just the challenge. MTV's challenge, hopefully, still a part of it. But none of that, none of that is uh, behind the scenes chicanery is what we are here to talk about today. Today's episode covers all things episode three of All Stars Three, an episode that will serve as what I would I would say right now, having just watched it. I think this is going to be a major inflection point. In this season, a season that started off about as great as can be through two episodes. I honestly thought episodes one and two, 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100, A plus, A plus, absolutely fantastic and great. This third episode being a little bit of just a slight, just a little teeny tiny bit of a letdown in some respects and offering up a very, very interesting for the season going forward, an interesting mix of still a lot of potential greatness right there, but also a lot of potential obstacles that are going to be need to be overcome if the season wants to remain hitting on all cylinders and go all the way and become a truly great, iconic, all-time level season that through two episodes it felt like it could be that coming into the season it felt like the potential was at least there and that I still believe is very much on the table for this season. But this one, this, this episode, very much an inflection point. We could go kind of either way to at least open the door to you know to head back down a little towards still still great any challenge is great but open the door for it to maybe fall down a little bit from that just all-time high we were riding through the first two episodes so a lot to get to um with this episode now it was the only episode that dropped this week so we were correct they went to from you know to the first week was just to get everything started one every week after that seems like that is the plan the rest of the way which means for this podcast the plan will be to keep these recaps coming out wednesday afternoon same as the one you are listening to right now we will do so all the way through the rest of this all-star season which we do not know exactly how many episodes is probably 10 given that that was the nine and 10 were the first two seasons we shall see be on the lookout for the next few seasons of the challenge rewatch series as well the inferno coming next one of the next few mondays otherwise that's all programming housekeeping anything of that nature without further ado let's dive on in to episode three all stars three here we go before diving into any storylines from the episode, any of the moments, any of the quotes, anything at all, we've got to wrap our heads back around. We need our Cliff Notes recap to remember 
every single thing that just went down in yet another episode, pretty much the standard at this point. A lot happens in every one of these episodes, even if only a couple storylines, couple major overarching things stand out. A whole heck of a lot happens. Let's recap it all before truly diving in. So here we go as quickly as we can. Everything that happened, episode three, All-Stars 3, 3, 2, 1, and we are off. All's the same in this Panama-based challenge house. Mark is giving his Mark Duel 2 doll low high fives again. Kendall and Kellyanne are, of course, doing yoga again. Darrell and Wes are running on treadmills again, and everyone seems generally sweaty. What's new is that an alliance has officially formed with the Treehouse, a.k.a. the bedroom that consists of Ronnie, Derek, Tina, Veronica, Kayla, Jemmy, and Sylvia. Their targets, that would be Kellyanne and Kendall. Meanwhile, Yes wants to chat with Wes and air his disagreements over how Wes plays the game. It comes with an offer to literally give Wes the power of the sabotage, which Wes kindly refuses, knowing all along that it will instead be just used against him, but he's okay with that. They get tense, they agree to target each other, and just talk, you know, just a little bit of shit. Off to the daily challenge we go, where they play Playing Dirty, the newest challenge rendition of mud wrestling musical chairs. Ten players go for nine balls in the mud pit. The one who doesn't get one is last place loser. Two subsequent rounds follow to whittle that nine down all the way to a winner and authority members. Before it starts, Yes and Kendall must give out their sabotages in the form of weighted vests to wear during competition. Yes goes for West, as expected. But Kendall surprises all when up for much, much anguish. She randomly decides to put it on MJ, which doesn't go over well. Women go first, and a one-on-one showdown ensues between Kendall and Veronica to avoid last place, with Kendall inching out the wind, sending Veronica to the arena. Over the next two rounds, it's clear that Kendall and Kellyanne are being targeted as the treehouse women openly help each other, and we end up with a Kayla win and Jeanette and Sylvia joining her in the authority. The men then play second. Last place goes to MJ, who's heavily braced and he doesn't fare well in the thick mud. He's off to the arena as well. Yes, gets a little dirty, makes a second real-world Austin nemesis out of Nehemiah, who has some choice words for for him after they're both eliminated. In the end, it's Brad with the win, Derek and Jordan joining the authority. Back at the house, everyone gets dressed up 70s party style. All of them look and fly, having a great time until one Mr. Weston Bergman hops right into politic mode and according to Darrell, is a fucking party pooper. West wants to get yes thrown in. Some are into the idea, others not so much. Problem is, MJ has already asked for Cyrus. He'd consider yes, but he's kind of leaning towards Cyrus. On the female side, Kellyanne and Kendall lament that maybe playing nice is yet again the wrong strategy in a challenge house, as it seemingly has them on the bottom of everyone's totem pole. The next day, we learn that Tina, who we thought just popped her finger out and then back in during the daily challenge, actually broke her hand and has been medically DQ'd. Horrible for the show. She packs her bag, says goodbye, and the audience is left completely shocked and saddened. To deliberation. Another intense one where it's determined that Cyrus is going in at MJ's request and Kendall is going in at the treehouse's request. Before we go to the arena, sadness strikes the house yet again as Jemmy learns her father is in bad health and she decides to leave the game to be with him. Another loss for the show and now, suddenly, the game and the treehouse alliance are down two women in a matter of minutes. At the arena, TJ acknowledges that Tina and Jemmy left, which for the night means Veronica and Kendall are spared and don't need to compete. MJ and Cyrus do, however. They play weight up, locked in a cage full of sandbags and must throw the sandbags over the cage into a hanging crate. Get enough weight in the crate to drop it down, opens one wall of the cage up there that you have to smash through that wall, climb out to ring a bell for victory. MJ's shot proves a little better than Cyrus's. He builds a lead, getting his wall 
getting to his wall smashing segment earlier. Cyrus, though, does make a run at it and gets to about even with MJ before MJ's patient, very patient wall smashing method pays off. He gets a big old hole. He hops out. He rings the bell. He gets the slight victory. Cyrus heads out and after a heartfelt goodbye from TJ, and we are off to next week's episode. A lot went down as always, so now let's sift through things in a little detail here, going storyline by storyline, and the there's a couple different places we could start. There really isn't, uh, this is one of those episodes where there definitely was kind of two to three, you know, main, main things going on all at the same time, a little one here, one there, one there, not so much the one single overarching, this was the blank episode, so We've got uh, we got three storylines to go through here, and then we will also, of course, talk our sporting events uh, at the end. So let's start uh, pretty much where the episode started, and probably maybe the most interesting of the three storylines as far as where the rest of the season could possibly go, and that is the fact that alliances took shape this episode. Through two episodes, we really... Had no idea where any big alliances were. We knew, you know, some some specific pairs. We knew we had the Austin trio that dropped down to a duo. We knew, you know, MJ and John A seemed to be working together. Sylvia and Kayla are openly working together. Veronica and Tina. We had some, we had a lot of pairings, but we did not have open big alliance take shape. This episode starts right away letting us know that one, in fact, has, and that would be the treehouse. The treehouse, which is one of the bedrooms, yet again, the bedrooms playing a massive, massive role in a challenge house. The treehouse consists of Kayla, Sylvia, Veronica, Tina, Jemmy, those five, and then they say, plus Derek and Ronnie, Derek and Ronnie acknowledge that we're in this room, so I guess we're in this, but it very much feels like it's really a five-person, uh, five-women-strong alliance with Kayla, Sylvia, Veronica, Tina, Jemmy, and Derek and Ronnie are just kind of there. Um, could be had. We'll talk more about that in a minute. They are targeting Kellyanne and Kendall, and very much for the simple fact of Kellyanne and Kendall seem like the physical threats. This group of ladies is like, we're all friends, we're all in the same room, and those two in that other room, they're nice, but... They're also kick-ass, so maybe we try to get them out. Maybe we try to get them to go against each other. Uh, makes a whole bunch of sense. And the treehouse joins a long lineage of, you know, of wonderfully named. Uh, I would say this: the name, the treehouse, I really, really like the name. It's a very good name for an alliance. Very, very like it. Much like it. Follows a long line, you know, back-to-back seasons now where we've had an all-stars bedroom create a big alliance with the King's Palace last season. You know, plenty of great, amazing alliances in the past of the show from the Lavender Ladies to the Young Bucks to Wes and his Minions, on and on and on down the line. So the treehouse is here, and the treehouse is formidable, at least at the start of the episode. Um, More on that to come. Uh, bedrooms, they always matter. They always, always matter in a challenge house. It is why some of the most, you know, the vet, the super vets, uh, those that kind of feel more like true veteran players earlier than others, some of the things that separates, you know, kind of that real vet that, not the real vet, but the vet that has that true, has soaked in that vet knowledge, has soaked in the fact they've been there a couple times, what matters, what doesn't, what's important, what's not the bedrooms matter. The running in, finding the right bedroom, strategizing ahead of time of you, you, and you. Like, we got to split up. We got to be together, this, that, and the other. The bedrooms always matter. And in this instance, 
it seems like, I mean, that bedroom has seven people uh, out of what, 24 that started this. So um, I, I don't, I don't know how big all the bedrooms are, if this is the biggest, but either way, they're taking advantage of all that time spent together in that room. Derek and Ronnie, as we said, we'll just, we'll just talk about it now. They feel like they're not real members of this alliance. This feels like, you know, Tina and Veronica are real great buddies going so far back. They love being together again. They're in a room. They're going to work together. And then Jemmy very much feels, you know, like a part of the lineage of a Veronica and Tina. She likes them. Kayla and Sylvia are very much together. They look at these other two women in the room. They're like, we're friends with Jemmy. Jemmy's kind of the connector of the five of us into, you know, this, this big group of women that want to run this game, want to run against each other at the end. Derek and Ronnie feel like they're just very much there. Derek, you know, says like, I've never lived with seven women before, which he says seven. Am I missing someone from this list? Because then I only have six women. Maybe I I might be missing someone. Looking back at the uh, at the uh, notes here, and I did have seven people written down, but that's because I had Tina written twice. So I don't know. Maybe he spoke wrong. Maybe I wrote something down wrong. I don't think I'm leaving anyone out, but... Derek doesn't feel like he's any part of this alliance. It feels like this is a women-run alliance and has everything to do with the women's half of the game and that they don't have strong feelings, you know, one way or the other on the male side of the game, which we'll touch on in a little bit. But Derek seems like he's he's just, he's kind of there. He's kind of not. Ronnie, same. I think Ronnie is there because if she can be a part of an alliance, we saw her mention earlier in either episode two or episode one, no one's talking strategy with me, she said. And, you know, as the one person who's coming from way, way back, kind of the least amount of ties in the house, she's got Mark and that's about Cyrus to some degree, but that's, a, you know, he's now gone. Obviously, spoiler alert, not spoiler. You've already seen the episode if you're listening to this, but spoiler for the uh, rest of this podcast, I guess. Um, but feels like she is, you know, happy to be a part of any alliance, but is definitely still up for grabs. So in my book, it's a five-person alliance with Derek and Ronnie as, you know, swing votes that are currently on their side. Kendall and Kellyanne are on the opposite side of this. They're feeling the heat they acknowledge in the middle of the episode, Kellyanne acknowledges when the two of them are talking that guess you can't play this game nice, which yes, you both know this. You're both such sweet, wonderful human beings. Um, but no, you can't, you can't be this nice. We'd actually talked about this with Kendall coming into the season. We said her biggest weakness of, of anything is that she's literally too sweet and wonderful of a person that she is one of those people. There's been not the longest line of them in the history of the challenge, but they've certainly been a handful of them here. There where like, you're just too nice. You're too wonderful. You're not, you have 0% of you wants to be cutthroat or manipulative or like play that part of the game. And that part of the game matters so much in the world of the challenge that it's a huge weakness. If you can't bring yourself to do it, it's a huge, you know, it's a huge, you know, gold star for you as a human being outside of the challenge. You're a lovely person. It's wonderful. There's no one that I love more than Kendall and that I would want to be have in my life outside of the show than this truly amazing human being. But it really backfires on her in the show. It's backfiring on Kelly and to a degree as well. But I will say Kellyanne is the one who I think both you see it in her recognizing this episode and being the one that says it to Kendall, like, hey, Maybe we can't play the game like this. She has shown in the past she can be cutthroat. She has the ability. She will go there. She would prefer not to go there, but she will. And, you know, Kendall literally just too sweet other than maybe an accidental cutthroat move or an accidental just 
so sweet that it drives her to make an accidental enemy in MJ and John A. We'll talk more about that decision in a little bit, but Kellyanne, I think, has the ability if those two could stay in the game. They're both obviously forces to be reckoned with. It's going to be tough to beat them. They're going to have to continually get voted in. I don't see either of them getting last almost ever, certainly not very often, to go into elimination. They're going to have to get voted in, and if they can keep one of them, if not both, in the authority, which seems likely, they can skate by and or not skate by they're winning their way by in that in that hypothetical but uh kellyanne's the one i could see it's more important for kendall and kellyanne to get kellyanne into the authority to get kellyanne wins because i think she will be much more open to playing the cutthroat side of the game she will be much more open to making some deals to going to some others in the house and saying there's this group of ladies all targeting me who wants to join my side of this equation? Who wants to go at the treehouse? And uh, we'll see where that goes. So that's, you know, that alliance, the treehouse versus Kellyanne Kendall, that really takes shape early, plays out throughout the episode. It's going to continue to play out, it seems like, throughout, you know, at least the next few episodes. But over on the guy's side, a little something different is taking shape, which takes us to our second storyline. Mr. Weston Bergman. That is storyline number two. A continuation of the first storyline is, you know, on the women's side, we got this alliance, Treehouse, first Kendall and uh, Kellyanne. But on the male side, it's there's no big alliance that is formed yet, but there is one obvious person that is, as, as he would, you know, come into this game wanting to be, he is the son of which all the other planets revolve around. Because right now, in the male half of the challenge house, everything and everyone revolves around Wes. And it is truly remarkable that he's pulling it off. The first words of this podcast in the cold open are all about him being playing the game the way that he is playing it right now, being the character of Wes that he is, which we talked about on the episode two recap, the somehow obviously playing a characterized, a tuned up version of himself and what he has been on the challenge. And yet it comes across genuine and authentic because it feels very much like this is who he wishes he could be. And the challenge is truly is his playground where he gets to be this, you know, fully realized, you know, cocky, arrogant, I'm better than you version of himself that uh, he is not going to be in his everyday life because he acknowledges that it's not the best way to be in your everyday life, but in the world of the challenge, it's totally fine, if not in very much outright encouraged. And he's coming in here, and uh, he's just somehow, some way, winning over the house somehow, some way by walking in on day one saying, I'm going to manipulate. I'm going to run this game. No one here can beat me. I'm going to win. I'm, you know, I like you all, but I hate you all. No one has a shot. You would think that would not go over well. You would think he would immediately, everyone else would be like, okay, well, one, you're being a dick and you're pissing us off and you're being cocky. And two, you actually probably will beat a lot of us in a final, so why not target the guy that you know is rubbing everyone the wrong way or is being all arrogant and is very, very good anyway, so let's target you. Let's try to get you out. Hasn't gone that way. There's only one person that's really, really feeling that way, and that is yes, and Wes and yes now as uh, is, it is playing out. We got a lot of it in episode two, setting the table, 
and it you know hasn't fully come to fruition and either of them haven't go in elimination or square off against each other or anything like that but it came to fruition this episode in the fact that they have a little sit down chat um and uh wes has decided yes was the one that decided i want to go for wes he was the only one in the house through a few episodes here through whatever time they've actually in real time been in the house the only one that decides i don't like how this guy's coming in here playing this game it is the opposite of what I like to do. And for that reason, I would like to target him. You would, again, think that more people would be of that opinion, but they're not. More on this in a moment. But Yes is going for him, and Wes is happy to go right back and be like, Yes is my number one target, which, to be honest, doesn't make a whole lot of sense from uh, from Wes's standpoint. Um, with respect to Yes, I want to say that absolutely respectfully and acknowledge before for everything I'm about to say, acknowledge again that this male cast is stacked. It, it very well could be the greatest of all time uh, that we've put together, even in an all-star season, that there are no weak links. There's not just no layups. There's no, like, yeah, that's the obvious kind of obvious, like, worst guy. There's there's a bunch of people that all have an argument to say they could win this game, hands down. So with that in mind, respectfully, Yes, uh, is is kind of the easiest pick for an elimination if there had to be of the of the group that's left and really even the group that started. If you had to say, all right, I'm I'm going into an elimination as a guy in this house. You know, there's no good choice to go against. But who's the easiest pick to go against? You would I would you would think it was it's yes, just simply from the standpoint of one, his his biggest strength is the endurance in the final and the intelligence to do the puzzles and the endurance. His two best skills are the two things that are needed the most in a final and needed, still needed at large parts during daily challenges elimination, but a little bit less. And in an elimination setting, he's a lot smaller than the other guys. And that's just a fact. And it's not, you know, that goes too far often in challenge history of just always thinking for some reason, everyone walks into every single elimination thinking it's going to be a pole wrestler or hall brawl. And, you know, those are only once a season, if that, but it is still at least that chance of, hey, if it turns into something physical, if we're putting our hands on each other, if strength or size matters, which it very often can in an elimination, he's the smallest guy in the house. And if you have to do math, that's too bad. You're going to lose. But it would, so from Wes's standpoint, I don't totally get why the number one person he's after is yes, other than that yes, you know, has openly said, I'm going after you. But everyone, you know, eventually is probably going to say that at some point. So don't totally get it from Wes's standpoint. But back to the craziness of the fact that he's playing the hardest, he's the most brash, he's the most out there politically, he's told everyone he's going to win, he's going to run the game, this, that, and the other. And it's somehow working because in this episode, we find out a lot. Uh, we, I think we mentioned it on episode two recap, but like why is, you know, it was stunning that West didn't get thrown in when he was second to last last week. And uh, the people in, in Yes and Jordan were both in the authority and they didn't go for it. And Yes la- or Wes laughed about it. That's the first time I've got their names mixed up. Going to try to make it only that one time, but it's very, very hard continually talking about Wes and Yes, but we're going to try. Um, so, it's very weird that he didn't get thrown in. He laughs about it. Can't believe that he doesn't get thrown into elimination last time. This time around, we find out a lot of things. One, find out that Nehemiah is his secret number one, which it's not so secret. Obviously, they were going to work together, but we interestingly hear Nehemiah say, 
yeah, Wes is my number one, but we can't talk. We can't act like it. We can't let anyone know because Wes is a big target and I don't want that on me. So people can know that we like each other. We're from the same season. We're good friends. But as far as everyone else is considered, I'm doing a King's Palace 2.0 thing. Um, you know, I'm over here. Wes is over there doing his own thing. We're not necessarily working together, even though that's his number one. That's it. They're, they're each other's number one. So we got that. He's got a clear number one. He also clearly has another guy who thinks he's his number one, which is Brad, who is now for the second straight episode completely and openly gone to bat for Wes. Episode two, Brad goes into the authority and says, I want to save Wes. Won't hear anything about it. Otherwise, this episode, he goes right up to the authority in their kind of meeting during the party, not the actual deliberation, and says, I want to get yes out. Let's vote yes in. And everyone immediately, thankfully, is like, are you saying that just because Wes wants that? Because he's told all of us that too. And Brad's kind of like, yeah, that's what Wes wants. And so that's what I want too. So Brad and Nehemiah all in with Wes. So we've got that. I don't know if Brad and Nehemiah know that they're both all in, but we saw last season those two have built more of a connection off the show and our friends. I think that is what's playing through with Brad and Wes as well here. So those three, pretty solid. We then see MJ and John A throw out the idea while talking to each other of, you know, Wes is looking for an alliance. What if we give him, you know, a nice little landing spot, a little soft alliance with Wes? What do you think about that? John A mentions, you know, I don't think Wes would work with me in the past because I don't think he would have thought I was good enough. But now, like, I've leveled up. He probably would. Who knows? But those two seem totally open to the idea of working with Wes. We saw last week's episode, Kayla and Sylvia open to working with him. So he's got a connection to the Treehouse ladies as well. We've got the bonus one of this is nowhere in the episode, but from behind the scenes, I would say Mark is not going to vote against Wes anytime soon unless the whole house goes against him purely because Mark He is an executive producer before he's a player in this game, and he knows Wes is absolute gold. So secretly, that's a little, you know, conspiracy theory of my own is that Mark, who he's going to target, is almost always going to end up aligning with what's going to make the best television show. Um, And so I don't see him going for that's, you know, that's a lot of names we've just mentioned. And the only people we know that are against Wes at this point are, yes, very open there. Jordan, maybe they open the show clearly like you're my biggest threat you're my biggest threat but jordan's now two times in a row had the chance in the authority with yes right there saying like let's go for wes and jordan's like nah maybe we don't i'm not i'm not that into it yet so is jordan actually going against wes we we don't know Darrell clearly you know doesn't love wes but in a very lovingly way like he's entertained by him but you know he'll comment on you know on on it's not his style of game either so maybe Darrell would vote against uh wes but that's kind of it we don't really have anyone that's like fuck this guy like what what's this guy coming in here thinking he just king shit running shit yes is the only one and everyone else in the house is like uh I don't know what if we just let him run shit and we're the ones that work with him first you know and so very odd but very impressive. Wes does it again. Uh, he comes into this show wanting the entire thing to be about him. And through three episodes, the the show does seemingly kind of revolve around him to over the in, you know in a large sense. But certainly, if we just split it up, male side, female side, the male game literally runs around him. He is the sun. He is the one everyone else is orbiting around and figuring out their positioning with. And it's going to take him getting taken out of this game for that to change. Who knows if anyone's going to have the 
guts to do it. He's not been in the authority two times in a row now, and I feel like he's very well situated to get in that authority pretty repeatedly. So we'll see how many chances they even have. But uh, Mr. Weston Bergman, everything revolves around West just as he wants it. Third major storyline of the episode then is an absolute bummer. That is all of the exits on the female side, starting with Tina, which just, I mean, what a loss for this show. Um, I can't, it, the, this is when I talked earlier about you know this episode possibly being an inflection point in the season and things dipping from that just A plus level, which you know it's going to dip some from there. It's pretty incredible if you could say an A plus level the entire season, but like dipping much lower, a lot lower. The possibility of it starts in a big, big way with the fact that Tina was the front runner for the MVP. She threw two and a half episodes of this season, twenty five percent of the season at the quarter mark. She was the MVP of the season, and it wasn't even close, not even close, even with everything Wes is doing, not even close. Tina was the MVP of this season thus far, and then she breaks her hand, and uh, you know something is up when they give, right, you know, during the daily challenge, they just give the random, we don't see anything, we haven't heard anything, and out of nowhere, there's just a confessional Tina saying, oh, I looked down and my finger... You know, I was missing a knuckle, and so it was just popped out, popped back in, we're good to go, moving on, and then we don't hear anything else about it. You know that they do that for a reason, because that's about to come back up. Because if if they just were at the house and were like, Tina broke her hand, be like, really? When? (laughs) What, what, What are you talking about? So they have to give us something, so the moment you see this random, oh yeah, also Tina maybe got hurt, but she didn't, she's okay. You're like, oh God. Damn it. Tina got hurt, didn't she? Please, 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 please let this actually be honest. And then, no, she's going home. And it's just, I mean, she's just pure entertainment. She's so good at this. And she's just such a delight, even in defeat, even in embarrassing DQ. She handles it so well. We talked all about that last episode uh, on episode two. Just uh, what an unbelievable loss. I'm so sad. I'm sure every fan out there uh, is, you know, even if you weren't rooting for Tina to win or whatever, you got to be rooting for Tina to be in every episode possible because she's just that good. She's absolute gold. And I feel like she should get like uh, a consolation MVP trophy for this performance that she put up in such a short time this season. She will be missed. My question with her is she's going to keep doing these because you know, she said openly, first thing she said on season two to open season two was how great of a life she has, how she doesn't need money. She doesn't need any of this. She's kind of coming back to do it for fun or whatever. And she, you know, leaves the last one because she wasn't loving the experience in the house, comes back to this one, a little bit of a surprise that she came back right away, clearly had a much better time this time around and then gets derailed by an injury. So, you know, uh, will she keep doing them? You know, Here's the hoping that she'll do one more where we can get like a full, honest, like, you know, she gets eliminated or goes to the final and loses or wins or whatever, but like finishes the season in some way, you know, real way. Here's the hoping we get her at least one more time. But, uh, you know, can't believe that we got her back for the two seasons we did. Loved every minute of it. Thank you to Tina for all the entertainment that she's always offering. Then, Uh, you know, another, a second exit right, right after it. Super sad. Jemmy, the call home, you know, the moment it's like, you know, she pops in confessional and is like, you know, I got it. I was told I need to call home. You're like this. I know exactly where this is going and I'm already heartbroken. I'm already sad. She finds out that 
Her father's in poor health. She, you know, from the little of the conversation which we see, which I'm guessing both they and maybe Jemmy were both like, maybe we don't have to show whatever, you know, detailed version of this. Totally get it. Totally respect that. Um, we don't get much details. We get we get the appearance that her mom, you know, isn't saying like, you've got to come home, but like, it's up to you. But she decides to go home. Definitely the right decision. Family, super duper important. The most important. Go be with your loved ones. Help them in their time of need, the time they need their support. So sending all of our best wishes to Jemmy's father, to Jemmy, her entire family. I have not, uh, if any updates of any sort on this are out there in the social media world, um, I haven't seen them yet. I'm guessing maybe now that this episode's aired, maybe she will say something about it. Um, So uh, hope everything since this aired months and months ago, hope everything is going best case scenario, sending our love and our thoughts to Jemmy, her father, her family. Definitely everyone out there, you know, go go give her some love out there. Uh, if she has posted any updates about it, I haven't seen them yet. I haven't gotten online since watching the episode first thing this morning. So maybe she will uh, and we'll find out more as as this airs. But the thing with Jemmy is it's another huge loss for the show, for like the show part of it. If we can put, you know, just the the, you know, kind of emotional part to the side of that, you know, we hope for the best. We wish her the best. We think it's absolutely the right decision to make. Um, while it hadn't manifested much in the first two episodes, Jemmy hadn't been super involved yet. We know that she's TV gold lover, hater, as we talked about coming into the season, she's absolute gold. She's necessary, a, you know, a necessary character and person on these shows. And she hadn't got to be a major part of anything yet on this season and now is exiting without that chance to even be there. So we lose two very high entertainment people from the show and Jemmy and Tina. And that's, that's a, you know, a real difficult thing for the show to then overcome, to lose to great people, great entertainers without them actually just losing an elimination or anything. That's really, really tough, really tough to overcome. A couple questions about this though. Really the, the big one is Tina related. Did they force Tina to leave? Because, when we see Tina's packing and she's got the wrap on her hand and they say, and she, you know, says via confessional, I've broken my hand. I've got to go. Did they tell her you have to go pack your bags? You're leaving right now. You're medically disqualified. We will not let you go on another minute in this game because if they didn't, then a huge error was made on Tina's part in that she could have came back into the bedroom and said, Veronica, Broke my hand. I got to go. But here's what we're going to do. Uh, you know, I'm allowed to stay, but I'm I'm obviously not going to compete very well. So let's tell everyone, get everyone in here. Hey, vote me in. I want to go into elimination, which at that point, you know, I will give Veronica my stars. The stars thing, we still don't know what they mean, but Tina's got three of them on her, uh, on her jersey. Could have, if, again, why I think maybe she wasn't allowed, maybe she was told that's not an option, but could... Was there a world where she was allowed to say, I'm staying, I'm going to stick it out, vote me into elimination, I'll let Veronica beat me, I will DQ, there you go, Veronica, here's my stars. That would have been the really, really smart thing, but instead, I'm guessing she was told and forced to leave, uh, which stinks. The final thing on these exes then, so Tina and Jemmy are gone, uh, while that saves Veronica from having to actually compete in the elimination, the Treehouse Alliance takes a massive hit. We just learn about it, and then boom, boom, two of them gone just like that. 
So now, again, if we if we remove Derek, we'll include Ronnie, but we'll remove Derek. The six strong that were Kayla, Sylvia, Ronnie, Veronica, Tina, and Jemmy, six versus two, their enemies, Kellyanne and Kendall, out of nowhere, just down to four versus two. And then you throw in the fact that John A is kind of the wild card on the female side of things. She's a little in between. She hasn't, she's kind of ruffled feathers with the people on both sides, but it was Tina on the treehouse side who's now gone. And so she's a wild card in this four versus two match. You got John A as the wild card on the outside. Don't tell me Ronnie can't be had. She could easily leave and drop this down to only three. Kayla, Sylvia, and Veronica really working together. And then you also throw in that at the end of the episode, the next week on, uh, hit fast forward 15 seconds two times if you're someone that doesn't like watching the next week on and doesn't want to hear anything. But spoiler alert, there's a replacement entering the game to get the women's numbers back equal to the male's numbers. Who knows who it could be, and that could totally alter this alliancing. So where they came into this episode being like, all right, we got seven people, and in a way we got for sure five strong, and we've got two targets. Out of nowhere, they're down to three strong, maybe a fourth, maybe a fifth. John A, maybe on the other side, total swing vote. Now a replacement coming in, total swing vote. Suddenly, Kellyanne and Kendall not looking so outnumbered as they were before. Final storyline to touch on quickly here is just the sporting events. We've always got to talk to sporting events. You know if you've listened for a while that I am on the show versus sports spectrum. I'm very 50-50 and at times in my heart of hearts, the thing I am looking for the most is the sport side of things to be just truly epic and great. It doesn't happen as often, but when it does, that is the thing that just gets me over anything else on this show. I love it all, but those intense, unbelievable made-for-TV moments in the sports side of things are my absolute favorite. We didn't have any of those epic moments this episode, but we did have some very good stuff just all across the board, Daily Challenge Elimination, both very solid, very fun. The Daily Challenge, playing dirty, the one that was in the trailer, almost the whole thing was in the trailer. We knew this was coming. We knew it was coming early because they had shown it so much in the trailer. We finally get it. I would grade it out as about a B plus, which this type of challenge has every possibility of being an A plus. This one a B plus um, because it quite it didn't quite get there. Uh, at least on the men's side of things, it didn't really quite get there. Um, we'll touch that in a moment. First thing though, the treehouse uh, strategy corner here for a minute. In this daily challenge, the mud, and I'll quickly explain, I guess, to refresh again for a second time, but you know, mud wrestling musical chairs, first round, 10 people, nine balls just to get a de facto last place. And then after that, eliminate a couple people per time till you have a de facto winner and authority members, that whole thing. The treehouse, eventually good strategy. It's round two and three, very, very good strategy to get as many members of the treehouse in the authority as possible and to make sure that Kendall and Kellyanne were not in the authority. However, missed obvious moment of what would have been great strategy round one. Somehow the treehouse, which, you know, five, six women deep at this point in a field of 10 women, how any of them end up in last place going into elimination, that that's a big miss. That's a big missed opportunity because... When you have these huge numbers, their number one goal, as is stated, is Kellyanne versus Kendall. If we could make that happen, oh, man, just music to our ears. And you absolutely could have made that happen. All you got to do is say, all right, maybe you you pick either Kellyanne or Kendall for round one. Um, And respectfully, if I'm just picking between those two, I don't think Kendall would feel any shame in me saying, 
let's let Kellyanne buy for this one and take the slightly easier target of two very difficult targets is Kendall. And let's just say, you know, us six women, let's just block Kendall. And let's just block Kendall. Let everyone else that, you know, the other three, four people, let's let John A, let's let Naya, let's let Ronnie, let's let whoever, go go get your ball, score, you're good. Let's get it to be three or four of us. Maybe Kayla, Sylvia, Veronica, um, and, you know, Tina. Let's wait till the four of us versus Kendall, and let's all, you know, push Kendall over into a corner, and be like, you're staying right here. We're putting you as far away from everything as possible. And then we are going to one at a time, go get a ball and run away with it until it's two on one. And we're going to, you know, we're going to do this as unfairly as possible. We're going to totally gang up on you. And we're going to make sure you get last place. I feel like they could have done that pretty easily. And they didn't like think it through. And it ends up being Kendall versus Veronica one-on-one with no one to assist on either side. And Kendall gets the win, inches it out. Great great, great strategy on her part. Once it gets one-on-one of the get on top of the ball, both arms wrapped around it. No one can poke it out in this way. And I'm just going to try to go one little inch at a time. You you can be on my back. You can move around. You can do whatever you want, but I'm just going to move one inch at a time. And this ball is staying as far away from you as possible as secured to my chest as possible. I ain't getting off it. You ain't getting it from me. Slow and steady wins the race. She gets there. So good strategy late, kind of bad strategy early on. Things do get a little heated. You know, Tina's now going home, but she's the one that tackles Kellyanne without a ball. Kellyanne's getting real mad. That's kind of the thing that really instigates Kellyanne later on, saying the words to Kendall, like, we can't be nice anymore. So, again, she's going to be the one that gets more cutthroat before Kendall will, but seems like she's primed and ready to do so. The women really get after it, though, the second and third round. Like, there's some real wrestling, some real fighting, some tackles, as we said. They get after it. That is everything we could want from a you know elimination or a daily challenge meant to be super duper physical. The guys kind of don't. There's kind of not a lot of like. There's a lot of don't oh, you picked up a ball? Okay, you can just kind of go. There's a lot of you're trying to sprint by me. I'm not going to try all that hard. It did seem really hard to move laterally in this thick mud. Um, but it seemed like after round one where MJ just, you know, had no chance of moving in the mud, talk about him in a second. But, uh, once he was eliminated, everyone else was kind of like, ah, it's fine. Like, well, you know, if you get a ball, great, go for it. And if not, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't the hard hitting, the big time battles that you kind of expect in this daily challenge, which, you know, left us wanting a little bit since this was like half of the trailer, but still overall very good. Elimination side of things. We obviously only got one elimination with the women having the night off again because of all the exits. But it was very fun. Really liked the game. I'd give it a B, maybe a B plus as well. Really enjoyed the setup of it. You know, they have to start inside the wall, throw the throw the bags, the sandbags over the wall. Very difficult to do. Uh, into the swinging bucket, get it in, raise their wall, punch through. MJ, we'll start with him. Uh, the knee doesn't look good. As we just referenced in the in the in the mud, it looked really, really bad. Like he couldn't move anything lateral. That that's just the worst type of thing to be doing on a bum knee to be in a mud pit, trying to move laterally and move around in general. Very, very difficult. He's limping back into the house after that daily challenge. Seems like I'm very, very concerned. Uh kind of spoiler coming here of of known things that happened in the real world at some point after I believe the filming of this show, um, but don't necessarily know how it plays out in the show. So like half spoiler coming here, maybe fast forward again, but uh, we, we know MJ had surgery on his knee uh, fairly recently. 
and it feels like they're setting up in a big way for that re-injury might be coming on the show. I really, really hope not. You know, I know that somewhere, and maybe out in real life, maybe in the show, who knows, it happened, and that's a bummer, and I feel for him, and I'm glad it seems like his recovery is going really well, but uh, very concerned with uh, where where MJ might find himself ending his season during this season. It doesn't look good in the daily challenge, but it looks fine in the elimination doesn't have to move around as much, can be more stationary up and down strength, so that helps in a big way, I think. He's got super great composure the whole way through the throwing of the sandbags, keeps his a little more steady, takes a little bit more time each throw, only ever tries to throw one at a time. Cyrus a couple times has like multiple on his shoulder, just kind of half-heartedly chucking him over. Great composure, gets the big lead. Then he comes in with the the interesting strategy as the general contractor. He looks at that wall he's got to smash through. And whereas everyone in the history of this show, I believe, would just smash right through the middle, just big swings at the middle, try to start creating a hole, rip that hole out, crawl through the moment you think you can crawl through. Uh, MJ goes for the let's make a square. Let's tap little squares around the outside and then one big punch through the middle to knock the whole thing out. It ends up working, but I don't know if I love it. I think that Cyrus, I'm actually very confident. I'm confident that if Cyrus would have got to finish out how long it takes from him starting to smash till he would have rang that bell was a shorter amount of time by a pretty significant margin than what MJ took. And it was that bleed being big enough going into it that got MJ that win. But it works. He's the contractor. I'm not going to argue. He won. It's his profession. Can't argue with it, but it definitely put me on the edge of my seat, made me nervous. Good job by him. Here's the hoping he makes it through this entire season unscathed on the injury and that knee holds up. Um, we will see. Cyrus, on the other hand, bummer to see him go. As, as we've said, coming into the season in the first two episodes, Absolutely unbelievable transformation this guy has gone through. Absolutely incredibly motivating, inspiring what the work he's putting in. Not just, I mean, heck, the inspiring the work he's putting in on the workout side, the fitness side, getting himself absolutely shredded at the ripe young age of 49 going on 50. Uh, maybe he's hit 50. I can't remember at what point he turned. Didn't, did he just have his 50th birthday party? I, I can't remember. But speaking of, also crushing the game in the event game. The premiere party last weekend looked amazing. I do not want to miss. I can't. I, I, there was no way I was going to L.A. on short notice, but future season premiere parties. I'm not I don't want to miss another one of Cyrus's events. They just look amazing. Got to get me to one of those, but Cyrus, hats off to him. Loved seeing the recognition he got from TJ after uh this loss. It is a very fun part of All-Stars that TJ, we talked last episode, not just that he's so much more comfortable and he's having so much more fun in the All-Stars world and that comes from the relationships he has with these people going back all the way, you know, 25 plus seasons of the show and all the stuff, extracurricular stuff around it, but it also makes him willing, you know, he has these relationships, he has this knowledge and this history of these people that he can acknowledge things like when Cyrus leaves and says, you know, like, hey, I have never seen you better, a better version of you than this version of you. Like, that's incredible, hats off to you. He doesn't get to do that on, you know, Spies, Lies, and Allies when he's like, I just met all of you, you know, 20 minutes ago, so I don't have that knowledge. I didn't watch any of your shows. I don't know where you come from. I don't know about you. So love seeing that from TJ, from Wes, from the entire cast, sending Cyrus off in style the way he deserves. An absolute beast. So impressed by him this season. And 
We already know he has continued being that dude as he says he's going to come back. That guy, that dude at 50 fucking years old. We already know he's continued that journey. He's even in even better shape right now a few months later than he was in the filming of this show, which was great shape. So I have no doubts that he will be that dude when he comes back, and I have no doubts that he will be back. He's an absolute must-have for All-Stars 4. You have to put this guy back on the cast again. So here's the opening. We get that. Sad to see him go. A great, uh, valiant effort in defeat. A good win, you know, a week or two ago. So got a win under his belt. Took a tough loss to a great, you know, the returning champ. Here's the hope, and we see Cyrus again soon. Quickly before we head into the awards, uh, not storylines, but just real fast, just rapid-fire one-offs to touch on just random things that notes from the episode. First one, TJ at one point, I believe it was right after the Daily Challenge. Let me double-check the note. Yeah, right here at the very end of the Daily Challenge, as they're leaving, drops one of those sneaky TJ, does this mean anything or does it not mean anything kind of quotes where he says, enjoy your night tonight, but don't forget, the game is always on. And you're like, oh, is there a twist coming? Is there something? And then nothing. So I uh, don't know if that was just like, that's just he's going to have to say something like that at all times now to always keep everyone on their toes or if there was supposed to be something and then the, you know, Tina and Jemmy having to leave, you know, changed the plans or what. Thought that was very weird, worth mentioning. Editing notes, um, I'm not a big fan of the edgic uh, stuff that's out there for uh, Challenge, Survivor, I think Big Brother, they do it as well, but the editing logic the kind of breaking the episode down, like going as super into it as you can and trying to figure out based on the editing uh, who is likely to win. I don't love going deep into it because I kind of it feels like I'm almost trying to spoil the show for myself. Um, I'm, but I, I like a little bit of it. The extremes of it are worth kind of just mentioning. And there are a couple extremes to point out quickly through this episode. The biggest one is Brad. Uh Brad has four confessionals through three episodes. He was the only person in episode one that did not have a single confessional. And in this episode, he has one single one, even though he won the daily challenge and was in the authority. So Brad getting kind of no shine, just uh, an interesting thing to note. And then similarly, Naya and Ronnie. Naya, one confessional this episode, zero last. Ronnie, one in both um, after the first episode where they both four and five respectively uh, along with pretty much all the cast. So those three people, Brad, Naya, Ronnie, the only three kind of standout extreme, like they're not really a part of anything or any of this at all, even when they are, such as Brad winning. I think Brad's been in the authority like every time. Um, and he's basically not involved in the episode. So just interesting, worth pointing out. And third and final random one-off is I love John A. I love John A. Well, like, we just put a period behind that and that sentence, then say again, I love John A's sneaky shrugs that she likes to give and the facial expression she gives whenever anything happens. She kind of gives some, ah, whatever, whatever, like moving on. It's all right. Little shrugs of the shoulder. And with her kind of seizing more power quietly in the background of the game and being totally confident now, third all-star season in after the first two where she's kind of slowly but surely got her hands on the strings, played puppeteer a little bit. She's now a little more confident in it, but when things don't 100% go her way or someone says something she doesn't like, someone loses that she doesn't want to lose, someone gets voted that she doesn't want to vote or whatever, she kind of has this great way of acting like none of this really matters to me. I'm still just here floating in the background. Like She, she still pulls off the... I'm just going to skate by. No one has to think that much of me. But also, if you ask me, I am now a 
supremely confident and I am pulling a lot of the strings and I am not going to take someone like last episode when Tina's like, this is who I don't want. I'm not going to take that especially well when I'm the one that just won. So love that from John A. To the awards we go, three pieces of hardware to hand out. As always, best quote, best moment, episode MVP. For the best quote, we have five nominations. We will start with Wes speaking on Yes's proposal for sabotage. Take it away, Mr. Weston. Sorry. <laughs> now you're really learning how to manipulate the old ginger here. <laughs> I see what you're That's doing. What I mean. Oh. I do love to stir the pot. And I'm gonna put him in my little fucking pot and I'm gonna stir him around because he's nothing but an ingredient in my life that I am going to bake, eat, and shit out. Second nominee, Derek. Oh, Derek. Gotta love Derek. On the Mud Wrestle musical chairs when explaining the daily, he goes for it. He tries to come up with this is the Super Bowl. This is the. He kind of loses the thread, but he ends it. And it's, it's very fun and hilarious. And Derek being Derek, take it away. Welcome to the Challenge All-Stars Mud Bowl Classic of the World. Let's get it on. Third nominee referenced earlier, but Darrell about Wes. When the party starts, and Darrell of all people at the party is like, everyone here likes me. No one's targeting me. I actually am all about this All-Stars. Let's have fun and let's party vibe. Ah, there's Mr. West over there in the corner. Got to turn the party into a little politics session, so let's hear him discuss that. Everything's jumping off. Everybody's enjoying themselves. Mr. Weston has to start politicking again. Fucking party pooper. (laughs) Then nominees four and five both come from Cyrus, After he gets thrown in, he's got a very funny commentary on his feelings about that. And let's hear that one first. I can't wait to get down there. Lights on me. Camera, action, spirit fingers. Fucking A. Busting out the spirit fingers, got to love it. And then after losing Cyrus, the fifth nominee, his second nomination, We referenced this one earlier as well, but the confidence of how he will come back when he comes back to this game. Let's hear that from him. I beat myself once again, and it doesn't always go your way. That's called life. I'm pissed, completely pissed at my time spent here. I could have played better. I didn't. When you see me again, I promise you, I will be bigger, stronger, badder. I'm coming for the win. I'm about to be that dude again at 50. I'm going to be that fucking dude. Five worthy nominees. And while I would love to give it to my guy, Cyrus, I can't, I can't help, but uh, he's nothing but an ingredient in my life that I'm going to bake, eat and shit right out. Wes is just, (laughs) he's really good. He's really, really good at this. Um, So Wes gets the best quote of the week. As for the best moment for nominees in reverse order from when they happened in the episode, the elimination was really, really good and really fun. Talked about that. I like it. And uh, it is nominated for the best moment of the week, as is the 70s party, which again, why only like 30 seconds of this? Give me more. Give us more production. 
every episode, it seems, of All-Stars, at least the first three or four episodes of every All-Star season when there's enough people in the house, they're having parties, and we get like 20 to 30 seconds of here's everyone in their outfits. Here's, you know, Tundra making an amazing entrance. Here's all this fun stuff that's clearly happening, and then boom, let's just go straight to Strategy Corner and, you know, make this episode longer by two minutes. Make Cut something else out. I don't care, but show me more. It seems like it's a really fun time. Um, so show me more like all that. It is kind of Wes's fault, but then third nominee, Kendall picking the sabotage, which we didn't talk about before. So I'll just quickly touch on Kendall, darling, wonderful, wonderful. Kendall, as Jordan said, he was right there. He gave you an out. (laughs) She, you know, squirms and she's so uncomfortable. She's like, I do not want to do this. I don't want to, you know, I am the last person on earth that wants to give a disadvantage to someone. This is bullshit. Why do I have to do this? I'm going to throw up. And then Jordan right there just says, Kendall, just give it to me. That's fine. I don't care. And she ignores it. And so is she like, is like her and Jordan have an alliance we aren't aware of? Or did she just kind of freak out? I mean, it seemed like she just kind of panicked in the moment. It was like, I hate this so much. I just wanted to be over. Here's a name, MJ. I saw him last. So here, boom, there you go. And just... Yeah, it's entertaining television. It's a it's nominated for the best moment of the week because it's just like what's gonna happen here? Uh, is she gonna throw it on herself? Is she gonna you know sabotage you know one of the treehouse what? And then goes with MJ and it's weird and it leads to other drama later on. But Kendall, just Jordan was right there. Give it to him. He he offered. He took the, he took it off your hands and uh, should have gave it to him. That was nominated. But the fourth and final nominee that wins the moment of the episode for me is the Yes versus West meeting. It is so much fun. Uh, I, it's crazy that yes walks in there is like, Hey, I don't like you, but I'm going to show how I don't like you by giving you my current, I have a sabotage. Would you like it? No, not like you don't get this. Would you like to use it? You can use it on me. I don't even care. And West then being like, no, 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 I can't accept. I can't accept that because I also am going for you. And I, so I can't accept anything from you, even if it's a total positive for me. And then they talk their little shit. They go back and forth. It's all great. That is the moment of the episode for me. Third and final award then is the episode MVP, a very a somewhat tricky one to give out this week. There was no clear-cut, obvious favorite, similar to how we talked about no clear single storyline that dominated kind of these group of two or three storylines that each popped up and went away throughout the episode. But Cyrus gets some votes, Kendall gets some votes, Veronica gets some votes, Jeanne gets some votes, but Wes wins. I'm going to have to give it to Wes. Um, he's everywhere in this episode. We talked, you know, he, him, his orbit was, you know, arguably the biggest storyline of the episode. He had the best quote. He was part of the best moment. So Wes gets the episode MVP. With everything that changed in this episode, three different people going home, um, you know, alliances forming, Wes somehow pulling people to his side. A lot, a lot has changed. Have our power rankings changed with them? Let's take a look and update, shall we? So, female side of the game. Last week we had Kellyanne, Kayla, Jeanne. Now, those are the same three we have this week in the top three spots, but in a new order. Kayla has assumed the top spot. Kayla is the number one on my female power rankings coming out of episode three for a few reasons. One, I think that she has somewhat smartly, whether it just happened because of the rooming, just happened because of who she was friends with coming in versus maybe not, or just who she's gotten along with right away. Whatever way you slice it, Kayla is the one really sitting in the driver's seat with the whole treehouse versus Kendall and Kellyanne because I think Kayla smokes everyone in her room on the female side. I think she 
in a, if she gets to a final versus Veronica, she probably feels pretty good. She gets to a final versus Sylvia, she feels pretty good about it. She gets to a final versus Tina or Jemmy, she feels pretty good about it. Ronnie, not so much, but maybe she she's Kayla has been the only one so far to throw the couple jokes about people being older out there. Another good one this episode of like, I don't know what the 70s was like. I guess I'll have to ask Mark like that. But she may be just like, well, Ronnie's old too. So even if she's in good shape, like I've got her. So she's thinking I can smoke everyone in my room. The two people I'm most worried about are probably Kellyanne and Kendall. And now I got this huge group of people against them. So she is in a driver's seat. She's got the power and she's been performing really well, and I just like where she's at. She is the top spot on the female power rankings. John A moves from three to two. She is the third person on the treehouse list, like of the list of people the treehouse is going against. Jeanne is a distant third behind Kellyanne and Kendall, which I feel like just means she's going to scoop right on by and maybe be able to avoid those eliminations on back of being able to continually get in the authority, which she's already shown the ability to do. Um, and probably continue to do that. And when she's not being able to shield herself a little bit with these are the two people everyone's trying to get out. Don't worry about me. Just I'm just a returning champion over here. Who cares about little old me? All I did was win last season. All I did was get top female spot in the first season, even tied with Kellyanne. But Kellyanne's a bigger threat. Go ahead and get her. So I love where she's at. And then Kellyanne cannot fall out of the rankings because I think if they all ran a final right now, she would win. But Still pick her versus anyone, but she's going to be in eliminations. It seems like there's almost going to be no way she's going to avoid elimination with unless she literally is in the authority every single time, which is totally a possibility. Um, if you know, if I think she's the best, uh, you know, the best competitor on the female side, it's certainly a possibility she could be in the top three, or eventually, if they move it down to a top two or one or whatever, she could remain. But if she's not, she's going into elimination, so that bumps her from one to three. So Kayla, Jeanne, Kellyanne, a uh, a very confident. I feel so good about those three are, you know, are sitting in the driver's position on the female side of the game. On the male side of the game, huge shakeup. Last week, I had Wes and Yes tied at number one, said whoever won that little battle would, you know, would remain there. And I had, I believe, I had Derek at number two and, uh, or Jordan number two, Derek number three. This week, totally, basically, totally different. Nehemiah moves all the way into number one, goes from unranked to first place. Everyone likes him. He has fully has the ability to win a final and to win plenty of dailies or eliminations. And it just feels right. He he seems to have great social capital within the house. He seems to be in a great spot as, you know, pretty far down the list of when, if people would get targeted. It seems like he is also going to be able to make some of the decisions, even when he's not in power, that some people are looking to him to help them out with decision-making and he's got Wes as his shield, uh, but with Wes accruing power, that's also helps Nehemiah. I just love where Nehemiah is. He's in first on my power rankings on the male side. On the second is his good buddy Wes, who was tied for first last week, and I'm kicking yes out of the equation for this because it is insane how this is working for Wes, and so while I want to keep Wes and yes both there and say whoever wins is in a great, great position, uh, for the time being, yes, drops out, and it's just Wes, because I just, as we talked about at length, I can't believe this is all working the way that it is for him. Third spot, then, is a tie, cheating a little bit. Derek and Darrell tied for third, because those are the two that, to me, it seems just impossible at this point. If you had to ask me who is going to make it to the final without any concern of going into an elimination, I would say Derek and Darrell, with the only reason they might is if they got last place, which is why... 
Maybe this should actually just be Darrell and Derek as like 3B or fourth place um, because I guess I could see if it's like next week's challenge is pure math-based to some degree. Maybe Derek could get last and end up in an elimination, but that's the only possible way. These two are are skating by as they want to be, as they deserve the legends, the OGs that they are, but they're in a great, great spot, I think, to get to this final unscathed depending who they're going up against or not depending who they're going up against, they can certainly win it. So they are in third, Nehemiah West, Darrell and Derek. That's your male power rankings. Kayla Jane, Kellyanne on the female side. Wrapping it up then with some predictions. Our preseason predictions remain unscathed. At least our finalists and winners. We said Wes, Nehemiah, Brad, Mark, Kellyanne, Kayla, Veronica, Ronnie with Wes and Kellyanne winning. So far, so good. No, None of those eight or two have gone home yet. Um, we had originally said Cyrus and Jemmy would be the first out. They're both out early, so yeah, we got that wrong, but we weren't as far off maybe as we thought. For this particular episode, coming into this episode, we made four predictions. We got two of them right, two of them wrong. We said TJ would make us laugh, and somehow we actually got that wrong. I can't believe, I can't really remember the last time I didn't laugh from something TJ said, but a little more serious and somber of an episode when uh, he had to be on screen talking. So surprisingly got that one wrong. Also got wrong that Jordan would be going into the elimination. I should probably just stop uh, predicting that because it seems like it just hasn't happened, and I've got that wrong every time. West first yes blows up that we count that we got that right one injury during the daily minimum sad to say that that one was correct and horrified at uh that took out Tina from us from the show but uh it seemed very likely given the daily so we got we were two for two for next week's episode predictions that we are making we saw in the next week on that someone called the I believe it was Derek called the elimination a heavyweight matchup I'm going to go ahead and predict that heavyweight matchup, if it actually is, uh, lives up to the billing of a heavyweight matchup. I'm going to say it's West versus Jordan. I'm going to say someone finally decides to throw Wes in. I'm going to say somehow he ends up versus Jordan, and it's a it's going to be an all-timer. So, uh, you know, want to see them both do well, but would love to see that all-time type of elimination give something that's pretty fair, equal between the two of them, and let's watch the fireworks. So that's my prediction for that heavyweight matchup would be Wes versus Jordan. Third time in a row, I'm saying Jordan's going to an elimination. Let's see if it happens. Second prediction, whoever the replacement player is will get targeted immediately. I have no idea who the replacement player is. I have not. I somehow avoided that during, you know, I'm, I'm cool with casting spoilers, not game spoilers. I have no idea who the replacement player is. Um, other than I guess it has to be a woman, uh, but whoever it is, they're going to be targeted immediately for just simply the fact, doesn't matter who it is there. I, I foresee everyone being like, whoa, 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 we, we've already been here. We've done, you know, we've done three eliminations and stuff like you, you got to go in there once and kind of earn your way into the game for real third and final one. Yes. will be in the authority guaranteed mark it down. I've never been so confident in a prediction, and that is because we see the next week is the other daily challenge that was shown at length in the trailer, which at first kind of looked like a trivia, but now it's looking like now they got to do math on the side of a building or fall to their not death. Um, and if there's math involved, yes, yes, it's going to crush comparatively to everyone else there. We saw that on All-Stars 1 a couple times over. We will see it again next week. He will be in the authority. Mark that one down. Take it to the bank. Put all your money on it because it is a guaranteed winner. And with that, that's All-Stars 3, Episode 3. 
Uh, we will find out next week and beyond if this is the inflection point episode that I think it might be. We will see if it can regain its footing. It can absorb the tough losses, the you know the unforced, unfortunate air of having to lose a Jemmy and a Tina out of nowhere without you know for non-game reasons. Big, big bummer. Uh, again, sending our best to Jemmy and her family, uh, sending our thanks, our deep gratitude to Tina for being Tina and being amazing, and uh, hoping that this season can recover, can get its footing back, and can continue with all the potential that there is for this to continue being just an absolutely epic, iconic season of the show. Loving it, loving it, loving it. Thank you, as always, to the godfather, Mark Long, for bringing all-stars into our lives, and thank you so much for being here, watching, listening, however you consumed this podcast today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Love you so much. Be on the lookout for the Inferno season recap coming next week. Be on the lookout next Wednesday for episodes four recap. Have a great week, great weekend. Until we talk again, peace.